Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. <laughs> My story starts with me moving in with my dad at 16. He had gotten a new apartment that had two bedrooms instead of his usual one-bedroom place and was excited to have me around. At first, everything was fine, but over the course of a year, things started to get weird. My dad typically worked late, so I was usually left at home after school on my own. Most of the time when I got home, I would be on the phone with my friend or girlfriend at the time, who will call Kay. But I would have this overwhelming feeling of being watched and not being welcome where I am. As the days went by, it turned out that other people who came over felt exactly the same. Like something was watching, and it didn't want them there either. Things started to go missing a few weeks in. Pillows, stuffed animals, my dad's belts, and some of his shoes. We would find them days later, lined up perfectly at both of our doors. My dad tried to blame our cat, but he was just a tiny kitten who couldn't have dragged anything like that and neatly placed it in front of our doors that were seldom closed. This continued, as did the feeling of being watched and unwanted as another thing started. We had a large television in our living room, which was between our rooms. In the middle of the night, it would turn on, but never on a channel or even static. It would just be bright white, which was odd because there were no channels or settings that made it do that. Even stranger still, my dad and I would wake up and walk out of our rooms at the same time, as though called by it. We both found it unnerving, and that was weird to hear from my very stoic Navy SEAL veteran father. These three things continued for about a year on and off, until finally, one last thing happened before we left. Kay and I decided to spend the night at the apartment in the living room. My dad had spent the night at his girlfriend's house, so we had the place to ourselves. After a night of snacks and movie watching, we fell asleep on the pull-out beds in the living room. Like clockwork, the television turned on, but this time, I only dreamt that it turned off. I walked around the house and everything was covered in dust and debris. When I walked into the bedroom, it was a slaughterhouse, I mean meat hanging off the ceiling in the bathtub full of blood. I ended up waking myself up in a panic to find that I was sleepwalking, which I've never done before. Kay sat straight up, awake, and staring at the television when I walked back over to where she was. 
She told me that she tried turning off the television, but couldn't. I decided to unplug it, which worked. And then she asked if we could leave because she felt as though something wanted her out. The next day, my dad texted me when we got home and asked why we had left the television on. And apparently, it was plugged back in. No one had any access to the apartment besides us and my dad. To this day, we don't know what all of it was about, but it wasn't the last thing to haunt me. I want to start this story by telling you that I'm not super religious. I no longer follow the religion I grew up in, and I have a hard time reconciling what I experienced as a child with what I believe now. All I know is that when I think back to this story, I still get chills. When I was around five years old, I lived in a small town outside of Houston, Texas. My dad was a young pastor at his first church, and we had moved across the country to live in the parsonage of that church. For those who may not be familiar with the parsonage, it's a small house next to the church property and is owned and maintained by the church. It was really nice to live there because my dad could put his meager salary towards the things we needed to live like food and clothes rather than rent. My dad was, and still is, a harsh man. He didn't mince words and believes in a very strict interpretation of the Bible. My dad preached against many things, but primarily that social drinking was a sin and that you couldn't be allowed into heaven with a sin like that on your conscience. He spoke very seriously of demons and evil spirits that would crawl into church on sinners' shoulders and stay there while the churchgoers left to eat their lunches. I'm not sure that the church's issues were the result of drinking, but there was something that was inexplicably evil about that place. When I was older, my dad told a story about how he was working in his office which was just off to the side of the entrance near the sanctuary. He noticed that someone had come into the church, so he left his office to greet them and asked how he could help. He saw a man with short hair, dressed casually, standing in the center aisle of the sanctuary, but the hair on the back of his neck stood on end when he realized he could not only see the man, He could see through him. My dad cast him out of the church in the name of God, and the spirit vanished. Later on, after a Wednesday evening service, my dad, mom, and I were leaving the church and turning off the lights to head home and eat dinner. My dad noticed that a light in a Sunday school room had been left on, so my dad, with me bouncing happily on his shoulders, turned around to turn off the forgotten light. 
We all journeyed back as my dad flipped the switch and headed back toward the exit, when suddenly the faintest singing voice lingered, singing a hymn in the slowest, creepiest voice. On a hill far away stood an old, rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Hello? My dad concerningly asked. Had we locked someone in the church and not realized it? My dad set me on the ground and we walked towards the end of the hall where the voice echoed. I toddled behind him and my mom walked toward me to pick me up instinctively. We reached the end of the hall, but no one was there. It wasn't until we heard the rest of the verse that we knew something was incredibly wrong. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. My dad turned and said, Run, call the police, go home. My mom scooped me up and ran out as fast as she could. The police searched the entire church, the hallways, the baptismal, the offices, everywhere. They didn't find anyone, but they did mention that as they pulled in, they noticed tire tracks in the dirt outside of the church that pulled in from the street, but never pulled out. Later on that night, my dad said that I crawled into bed with my mom and him, nervous from the day's events. I would always wake them up by jumping on the bed or trying to wrestle with my dad, something I imagine was not their favorite way to start the day. But that morning, I just stood up in the middle of the bed, staring at the doorway. My dad woke up and asked me what I was looking at. That man, I said, as I pointed to the empty doorway. We moved away about six months later. Several events like this occurred until we did. Eventually, my family left the church after the head of the church's board came to our door with a gun, threatening to burn us out of our house and kill my dad. I had answered the door in my pajamas, not realizing that he had a pistol in the waist of his pants behind his back. To this day, whenever I think about Texas, a darkness settles over me. I don't believe in God, I don't believe in hell, but I do believe in evil, and I make sure not to fuck with it. I just started listening to Odd Trails and immediately thought of something that happened to my aunt, along with her story that my cousin shared with me. My family has always believed in the paranormal, especially after these experiences. This first story happened to my aunt almost 50 years ago, when she was only 8 years old. Her mom had wanted her to go to town to get some sewing supplies before it got dark. My aunt was reluctant and waited till it got dark to head out. For precautions, 
she took her German shepherd with her and left her home, where she left her baby brother and her mom. They lived in Venezuela, and their house was in a forest-like place. So she walked to town for around 15 minutes to get what her mother needed. As she was walking through the forest on her way back, she heard cries. She was shocked to see a woman in the distance. This woman was slightly levitating over the ground and had long black hair covering her face. She said that she had been seeing La Llorona. She knew who she was. Like I said, my family has always believed in the paranormal. She also knew that the closer she sounded, the farther she was, and the farther she sounded, the closer she was. At first, she thought that she was just seeing things, but her dog jumped so high in fear and began running back to the house. My aunt followed. Unfortunately, so did the ghost. She ran until she got home and locked the door behind her. But that wasn't the end. She heard distant cries, which meant La Llorona was close. She crouched and protected her baby brother and told her mom about what happened. There was a sudden bang at the door and then silence. The cries were heard close, meaning that she was probably now far. They did not look outside or leave their house for two days. And what they saw at the door still chills my aunt to this day. There was writing in blood. It said something along the lines of, The child saved your life. My aunt's mom blamed her for not obeying to go get the sewing supplies when she had asked her and waiting. This next story happened around 30 years ago to my cousin who was 20 at the time. This was something that happened in Venezuela as well, where my family is from and where most of the paranormal things had happened. My cousin was driving home from work. He worked in a city around an hour away from his home, and he woke up very early to go and got home very late. In order to get to his house, he had to go down a mountain so it was not very lit up or populated. It was probably around 11 p.m. when he saw a girl extending her arm out and he picked her up, thinking she was just a hitchhiker. When he tells the story, he describes her as one of the most beautiful girls that he had ever seen. So when she asked him if he could drive her to her mom's house, he immediately said yes. When she got to her house, she thanked him and left. He was in shock by her beauty, and he decided that he wanted to go back to her house again to see her, but decided that he didn't want to seem pushy or creepy. All of a sudden, he sees her. He then finds that she left her cardigan on the seat, and he took it as the perfect opportunity to see her again the next day. Well, the next day, he went back to the house that he had dropped her off at. He knocked, and what looked like her mother answered. She opened the door wide, wide enough so that he could see into the house. He saw in the distance a table with candles and a picture of the girl that he had picked up the night before. He told her mom that he wanted to see her again and that she also left the cardigan in his car. 
immediately tears swelled in her eyes. My cousin is still shocked at the fact that her daughter died almost 25 years prior. This can't be, my cousin thought. I'm sorry for your loss, but I'm referring to the girl in those pictures, my cousin said, pointing to the pictures of the girl near the candles. To this, the woman replied to him that she was her daughter, and that he was the sixth person to come knocking at her door, asking for her, even 25 years after her death. He apologized and handed over the cardigan and left shocked. I have had many paranormal encounters in my life so far, but this is one of the most obviously audible and visual hauntings I've ever experienced. This happened when I was 11 or 12 years old, when I was on vacation in Myrtle Beach with my mom, stepdad, my aunt, and my granny. When we first arrived at the condo, I didn't notice that anything was off right away. The condo itself had three bedrooms, a living room, small kitchen, and a small balcony off the living room. There was a kitchen island with bar stools between the kitchen and living room, and a long hallway leading to the bedrooms, central bathroom, and to the front door of the condo. The activity started suddenly. It started one day when I was returning from the balcony off the living room. I heard a scraping sound and looked up to see one of the bar stools slide a few inches across the tile floor by itself. No one was in the kitchen or living room at the time. Later on, I was returning from the balcony again, when I saw that the fridge door was open. I just thought one of my family members was crouching and getting food out of it or something, but then the fridge door slammed suddenly, and I definitely saw that no one was there. I walked into the kitchen to make sure, since I couldn't quite see over the kitchen island and yeah, the room was totally empty. If someone had been in the kitchen, they would have had to walk right past me to get in and out of that room. A day or so later, my parents and aunt were out shopping and I was sitting on the balcony with my granny. I was facing the ocean when I heard the sliding door handle jiggle loudly and forcibly behind me. I figured my family had returned early, but when I turned to look, surprise, surprise, no one was there. I could see into the living room, the kitchen, and even down the hall. No one was there, and Granny was still next to me, napping or maybe reading. I don't remember if she heard it, but I do think she had heard it too. My family returned maybe half an hour later. On another night, I was lying awake beneath my comforter and a mountain of stuffed animals, my granny asleep in the other bed. I heard shuffling footsteps on the carpet coming towards me and guessed it was one of my other family members coming to say goodnight or something. But when I pushed the covers off of my face, of course no one was there. I could see into the hallway, no sign of anyone else. Some movement caught my eye and I saw the door to our room start to wobble back and forth 
like someone had grabbed the handle and was playing with the door or swinging it back and forth very quickly and without slamming it against the wall. At the time, I explained that the door was vibrating back and forth. It made no sound and creeped me the hell out. I dove under the covers again and lay awake trembling. Another incident happened when my family members were outside on the balcony looking out at the ocean. I was inside playing with my toys, putting them on some fake decorative flowers that were near the TV. Next to the TV was a short wicker bookshelf filled with books and random objects. I was fully immersed in my imagination when all of a sudden, down the long hallway to my right, I heard a loud thump. Probably the neighbors, I thought. Then again, another thump on the opposite wall this time, and closer than the first noise. The sound got louder and closer and faster, the knocks coming from one wall to the other until the sound was right in front of me, and then nothing. I could feel my heart beating rapidly in my chest as I looked down the empty hallway. That was when I saw and heard the wicker shelf full of books and things right next to the TV suddenly shift loudly. I got the impression that someone or something had leaned heavily against it. This frightened me, and I ran outside to tell my family. Everyone told me it must have been our neighbors making the thumping sounds. They didn't believe me. That night, I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth and getting ready for bed. Everyone else was asleep or otherwise relaxing in their bedrooms. The bathroom I was in had one door leading into the room that I shared with my granny, and the other door led into the main hallway. I'd left the hallway door open a crack for whatever reason. When I suddenly felt something watching me, I looked into the mirror and could see out into the hallway through the crack from the door being slightly open. In this space, down near the floor, I saw the face of a young man with short dark brown hair. He looked pissed and was glaring right up at me. In my memory, he had solid black eyes and looked inhuman, but I don't remember if this was actually the case. It was petrifying. A few other incidents occurred, like when I placed my stuffed animal weasel gently on the middle of a coffee table, only to come back to find him face down on the floor. Another time, pillows had been thrown across a room and no one admitted to the incident. Finally, on one of our last nights, I asked in my head what the name of the spirit was. I heard the name Charlie very clearly in my head. When we went home after a week, I thought I could still sense Charlie around me, but that feeling eventually faded away. I'm a writer and I immediately wrote it all down. It's one of my favorite true stories to tell. Of course, no one in my family believed me, and I was so young, but I remember everything still to this day. Every event that I described, the fear I felt, the sense of something that did not like me and wanted me gone was very strong. None of my other family members experienced anything at all. When I was a kid, 
I went to a small private school for middle school. It was in a smaller town. I'm talking less than 100 kids in grades 6 through 8 combined. It was by no means fancy or prestigious, but it provided a good education. One of the best parts of going to a school this small was that at the end of each year, all of us got to go on a school-wide multi-day field trip to a large city relatively close to our town. Each spring, our school would rent two charter buses, pile all the kids into the buses, along with some of the teachers and parents that would volunteer to be chaperones. We would drive anywhere from five to ten hours to the big city and spend three to four days visiting museums and learning about the history of the city. It was such a fun time and something we all looked forward to every year. On one of these trips, though, I had a very strange experience that I've never been able to understand. It still puzzles me to this day. We were on our way back to our hometown at the end of our trip when we got stuck in stop-and-go traffic on the interstate. My friends and I were towards the back of the bus laughing and joking around, doing whatever we did as middle schoolers back then. My friend and I were sitting backwards in our seats, facing our two friends in the row behind us. We had our heads resting on the back of the seats in the row in front of us. The entire bus was pretty loud with 50-something kids all talking to each other. But all of a sudden, I heard a female voice yell, Turn around and sit down. It came from the front of the bus. It wasn't so much the words that I heard, but the tone of the voice that said them that caught my attention so suddenly. The voice sound panicked and worried, not angry like a teacher scolding someone. I immediately assumed that it was one of the chaperones sitting at the very front of the bus. They were all women. I quickly turned around in my seat and faced forward, then looked ahead to the front of the bus to see what was going on. But I saw nothing. Nothing other than the charter bus in front of us, carrying the other set of students on our trip. We were still in a traffic jam, and nobody at the front of the bus seemed to be acting out of the ordinary. About 15 seconds passed, when all of a sudden, the bus in front of us stopped abruptly. Our bus driver was either following too closely or wasn't paying attention because he couldn't stop fast enough, and we ran into the back of that bus in front of us. I'll never forget watching the big glass windshield cracking as we bumped into the back of the other bus. Now, we couldn't have been going more than five miles per hour, and the wreck did nothing more than jostle everyone around inside. Thankfully, nobody was seriously injured. But my friend, sitting next to me, who was still facing backwards, took a pretty hard hit to the back of the neck and was complaining of neck pain. Here's where it gets strange, though. When I jokingly told my friend, maybe you should have listened when the teacher said turn around and your neck wouldn't be hurting so bad. They looked at me confused. My friend asked me what I was talking about, and I told them about hearing one of the teachers from the front yell sit down and turn around. They insisted that nobody from the front of the bus yelled that. When I asked my other friends and other people that were closer to the front of the bus, nobody seemed to have heard what I heard either. Confused, I went and asked all of the teachers later when we got home. Nobody, not a single teacher or chaperone from the front of the bus, knew what I was talking about. 
The more I thought about it, too, the more it wouldn't make sense for one of them to have yelled something because how would they have known that the bus in front of us was about to abruptly stop? While I didn't ask the bus driver, I don't think it could have been him because he was an older man and it was a distinct female voice that I heard. To this day, I don't know who it was that warned me about that bus wreck, but I'd like to think that it was someone or something looking out for me, trying to protect me from getting hurt. Maybe it was my guardian angel. All I know for sure is I definitely would have taken a hit to the back of the neck like my friend if I hadn't been facing forward. When it comes to spirits, aside from getting that fuzzy feeling of being watched or feeling like I'm not alone, I've had a few experiences where they actually broke through that plane. Maybe I'll share them at another time. This event in particular happened at my best friend's house, and although we had a spirit at our house that would make itself known in small ways, this was my first big encounter. I was about eight years old, and we were having a sleepover with the girls from our Girl Scout troop. My friend's house had a living room that also connected to a dining area when you walk in. To the left was a den where they would watch TV, and it had a halfway wall where you could see into the living room space. Anyways, after we all had dinner, we set up sleeping bags in the den to watch a movie I brought over. I remember it was Clue because I was so excited to show it to everyone. I set up my sleeping area on the couch in the back, so I had a view of the whole room, including a view of the living room. After watching the movie, we all settled in and fell asleep. Now, I have always had trouble sleeping. In fact, I still do. So me waking up in the middle of the night was nothing new. I do remember waking up pretty suddenly that night. This was in the 90s and I didn't have a phone yet, so I wasn't sure what time it was. It just felt late. As I'm lying there, I notice a bright light coming from the living room. At first I thought, maybe it's a car, but as I start to focus on it, I can see that it's a fine line of light, as if the living room were two-dimensional and someone sliced through it. While I was trying to figure out if I was imagining things and trying to make sense of what I was looking at, a transparent figure walked out of the light, then another, and another, and another, until there were maybe ten figures. I noticed three went in the other direction, towards my friend's parents' room, while the other figures slowly came into the den. At this point, I'm laying as low as possible in my sleeping bag with the blanket pulled up to my face, but I'm keeping an eye on everything, just in shock. I confirmed that these were definitely spirits. I remember watching one figure in particular. He was a young man with short, curly hair, and he walked over to my friend that was lying on the couch to my left. He turned his head and made direct eye contact with me, then put up his finger to his mouth, signaling for me to be quiet. I felt paralyzed. 
I didn't feel like we were in danger though, so I just laid there, stunned, as I watched each spirit approach each girl. They all knelt down beside them and looked like they were praying. Each spirit did their own thing. One would lay a hand on a girl's back, one signed the cross, another even bent over and looked like he gave a girl a kiss. There was one beside the girl who laid in front of the couch I was on. That's the closest any of them got to me. The spirit who noticed me stood up from his place and looked at me again, while the other spirits got up and slowly began making their way out of the den. The one watching me turned around and followed the others until they all began, one by one, going back into the slit of light. The spirits that had gone to her parents' room also returned. Then, just like that, the light disappeared like it was zipped up. I laid there in shock, trying to piece together what I had just witnessed. I remember touching my face and pinching my arm to make sure I was awake. I slowly sat up on the couch and decided to wake up my best friend. She grumbled while she followed me to the bathroom where I told her what happened, and to my surprise, she just shrugged it off and said something like, yeah, that happens a lot, they come here all the time. I was in disbelief, but she reassured me that there was nothing to worry about. I mean, they were praying for us. She is still my best friend, and we don't talk about it anymore, but she has told me that they've been around when I was there sleeping over other times. Since they were so peaceful, she never felt afraid. I always wonder why only I woke up that night, and not the others. Maybe because there were a lot of them, and it was a lot of energy or something? I'm not sure. It has always been my solid proof of another realm where spirits exist, and it always validated my other experiences, knowing that I'm not just crazy. It's also nice knowing that, just like anything else... There are good and bad things out there, and at that time, I was lucky to experience some of the good ones. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Odd Trails. This week, you have heard... Haunted Teen Years by Ghost Horse. Living Nightmares in Texas by Kim. My Aunt Met La Llorona and The Hitchhiker by Fiorella. His Name Was Charlie by Pidge. A Strange Voice Warned Me of an Oncoming Car Accident by a Listener That Asked to Remain Anonymous. And Finally, Visiting Spirits by Coral. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story that you would like to submit, send it over to stories at oddtrails.com. We've got another short story to feature here at the end of the show. Andy, take it away with Cowboy Ghost by Emily. Cowboy Ghost by Emily, you got it. Thanks for sending in the story, Emily. My grandpa passed away a year before I was born, so I never knew him. I barely knew what he looked like, as my family had next to no pictures of him. He was a rancher for most of his life, and I grew up on what was once his ranch with my grandma and aunt. The way that the house was set up, the TV was on the same wall as the hallway. 
and there was a couch across the room facing it. The hallway had my bedroom on one side, my aunt's bedroom on the other, and the bathroom on the end. So one day, when I was about 11 years old, I was sitting on the couch. It was pretty late at night, and I was the only one awake in the house. The lights in the house were off, except for the light from the TV. I was leaning on the arm of the couch when I looked up towards the hallway and saw a man walking towards me. I only saw him for a couple of seconds, and when I blinked, he was gone. Even though there wasn't much light, I knew that it wasn't my grandma or aunt, because they were both very short women. This was a tall man. He had on a cowboy hat, button-up shirt, and a large belt buckle. I didn't say anything about this experience at first because I wasn't sure that I had actually seen this, or if anyone would believe me. Then two years later, I was talking to my mom about ghosts, and I mentioned this night. After explaining what I saw, she calmly said, That sounds like my dad, and went on as though it was no big deal. My grandma ended up passing away when I was 16. When my family and I were going through her belongings afterwards, I found a picture of my grandpa. He was wearing a button-up shirt, cowboy hat, blue jeans, and a big gold belt buckle. After seeing that picture, I'm certain what I saw that night when I was 11 years old was my grandpa. Sounds like it to me. It actually kind of reminds me of the story Grandma's House from episode three mm-hmm. um, with the individual. I think it was like a, a grandson or granddaughter. Um, they had seen their grandmother laying out sunbathing, I believe, in a bathing suit. Striped and then, bikini? Striped bikini, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all I remember. Striped yeah. bikini? <laughs> yeah. And then later on, they're going through the belongings. And sure enough, when they're going through her belongings later after she had passed, they find the exact same bikini that the grandson had never seen her wear before. Um, yeah, just things like that. I, d- I definitely think that these are manifestations of our lost loved ones. I'm always wondering if, because, I mean, when we think of ghosts, we think of people that passed away. That's what a ghost is. Right. They're they're either haunting someplace because they're trapped there or they're visiting, it seems, to say hi oh. to somebody. I mean, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the episode where the guy thought that he saw his grandpa out his window, but it was like this hunched over figure with dark eyes. And that seems more like a haunting and a trickster spirit. So there's obviously different types of ghosts and hauntings and manifestations, but I we'll get into this later in another episode. But when I've talked about Robert Monroe and out of body experiences and things Mm -hmm. like that, and he often talks about people seeing family members when they leave their body and they can go to different realms like different levels of existence and i'm wondering if there is this level of existence here on earth in our reality that we just can't see because you know we're conscious we're we're dumb animals right right but when we cross over when we leave our body and we're in our spiritual form we can interact with them so it's i feel like there is like a complete spiritual realm here on earth that's not often some ether out in the, in the you know the cosmos I feel like there are different realms and there's a realm where it's just like all our family members exist and they all mm-hmm. just are watching us while we're going to the bathroom and <laughs> among other things <laughs> anyway uh, yeah that was a really cool story I, I really like when you guys share these types of heartwarming hauntings. yeah keep them coming in we like the uh, uplifting stories as much as the spooktacular ones anyways thanks for listening everybody We'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Odd Trails. Stay safe. Bye-bye.
Don't let the ghosts and the ghouls disturb you, darling.